Mm. That's the podcast. <clears throat> you know, Martin, it might actually be a good idea for us to tell people about the app we've been raving about for the past two minutes. Uh, so Wait, what have we been raving? I forgot the last two minutes. Magnet. Oh, yeah, Magnet. That's yeah. cool. I can't believe that just happened. Yeah. I thought phone app immediately. That's the problem. Oh. Actually, well, you were messing around with the phone app, weren't you? I don't remember. And by messing around, I mean you're using one regularly called 100 Push-Ups? Uh, oh, so we're switching to a different app. Um, using, well, you mentioned phones. Yeah, just so I just six weeks. That's what it's called, yeah, just six weeks. Yeah, that's the workout app I'm using because it tells me what to do and I don't have to think very hard. Sweet. So, so this episode is about procrastination, so we can segue into this for a couple seconds. Uh, this app Ooh. seems to be like the one that has gotten there. you to stop procrastinating on working out regularly again. Oh, yeah, because I was trying to do that, and I would work out, but it would be like lazy working out. I yeah. wouldn't get it. I wouldn't push myself, and I'd be like, I'll be able to push myself later. But this is easy because it just says, hey, Martin, if you want to reach this amount of push-ups in, in like six weeks or whatever, first, what's your max? Okay, wait a few days. Give yourself a rest. Now, mm-hmm. the day one, you're going to do five, then you're going to do five, then you're going to do six, then you're going to do five, then you're going to do at least three, but as much as you can. And then in two days, we'll upgrade the numbers. And then in a couple more days, when you do the next one, we'll upgrade the number. I don't have to think very hard. So basically, it, I don't takes, have time like, to plan this. it takes your max reps in one set and then develops five sets. And it, it like coaches a reasonable out acceleration out so that. Okay. Uh, I believe that, like, I mean, I haven't hit six weeks, so I can't guarantee that it does hit the 100 in six guaranteed. We'll yeah. see. I don't know if it's like, well, but you've ideally, been doing slow. Yeah. So week six, you need to just jump up by 30. Well, I do remember. So but does that app. That's the point, though. Do you put that on the floor or do you actually like use some sort of accelerometer? To you don't You don't have to like track it. What it does is it puts the number on the screen. Yeah. You do the push-ups or the pull-ups or the sit-ups or whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then you hit the number and it says done. And then it counts down like 60 or 90 seconds and it's okay. like this is your break between so it's rounds. Rest periods. Okay. Do not do more push-ups until we tell you to. Yeah. And then it, then it beeps and then it's like do your next set. Okay. So, so it's it's like a little coach. That's cool. And it's cool that it has multiple exercises. Yeah. I remember when I was a sophomore, I had this app and I can't remember the name of it. I thought it was just 100 push-ups, but that's 100 push-ups. But uh it you would like put the phone on your arm with one of those arm straps that you oh, use yeah. for running usually. And it was the same kind of program where you'd start by figuring out how many push-ups you can do now and they would create a six-week program to get you to 100. But you had to put it on your arm and then you had to go all the way down and it would say like, good. And you go back up and it's like, all right, good. It would count it. So if you mm-hmm. did half push-ups. So if you're not, if you don't have good form. Yep. If you did half push-ups, know. it would let you know and it wouldn't count them. That's so that cool. was a pretty cool app. That's fair. We might be able to find that for the show notes, but... It's one of those 100 push-ups apps. Yeah. Um, but no, the one that, that I found the other day and that I just told you about is called Magnet. And for anybody watching the video feed here, you can see we are using MacBook Pros. Now, I'm a Windows guy when it comes to video editing and most of my like big things for gaming. And I've always liked the fact that I can take a window in Windows and just like shove it over to the side of the screen and snap it. And like if you go, for Mac users out there, you don't know this probably, if you... Go to the top, it'll full screen the window. If you go to the side, it'll half screen the window. And that's really nice. And Macs never had that. So I was always just like creating these little boxes. And I know you can kind of do the full screen thing. You can have full screen apps, but But I don't like that as much. You can't just snap them to the side and not have them be full screen snapped if for some reason you want that. Exactly. But that's by default because this little app called Magnet builds that into Mac for you. And it actually is better than the Windows version because 
what I can do now is I can memorize these little shortcuts. And I've actually, I don't know if you've memorized yours yet. I've been using I the found they're pretty easy because it's just like the corner ones are UJKI, which is a box on your keyboard. And then the ones for doing like thirds or two thirds are just WSF, like the this, or no, it's EDFGT. So it's like a U here and you basically just know. Yeah, it's You memorize the shape on your to. keyboard. But yeah, now if I want to do like, like this has been really helpful for writing the crash course scripts. I'll do my main script as two thirds of the window and then my syllabus with all my notes and everything as one third of the window and a couple of keyboard presses and I'm good to go. Yeah, I really See, like the like corner functionality because otherwise if I'm just splitting the screen, I could use the full screen thing, mm -hmm. but I can make four little boxes really fast. And that's now that, something I couldn't have. That does beg the question, when do you have a reason to create four boxes? If one of my corner boxes is a command line, one of them may be code, and maybe I've got a browser on half the other oh, okay, screen. Okay, so for programming. Yeah. Which is most of what I use like, everything for. What would I... What would be a legitimate use of four on-screen well, I mean, things I for me that I isn't I only describe three boxes, yeah. but still... I can, it still works for you. I can split like one, one, one. Mm-hmm. I have found that that, um, and then a couple other things really helped me out in the past week. And this is also having to do with procrastination because I have been trying to get myself to finish these scripts. So first app that I bought yesterday is called Focus. And I've talked about this before in my internet distractions post, but it's basically a Mac app that blocks websites. Ah. Um, I found that like when... When I use a tool and it breaks, a lot of times I'll use like the broken tool as an excuse to not do the thing it was supposed to enable me to do. Yeah. Like, uh-oh, looks like my internet's down. Guess I can't write this paper or I'm gonna go play Overwatch or something. So I noticed that um, Cold Turkey, while it works really well on my desktop, it had a bug in the Mac browser where it would just cause Chrome to crash. So I uninstalled it and then I don't have a website blocker anymore, so I would just go on Reddit so all day. you just didn't fix the problem. Yeah, I didn't fix the problem. When, of course, I knew in the back of my head, there are other website yeah, blockers. Who knows that they haven't even fixed that in the time since you stopped using it? They haven't. It. I don't know. Um, because I reinstalled it, it the other day as kind of a way to make okay. myself write these scripts. Okay. Once again, Chrome starts crashing. I don't crashing. think I've run into that. So I might just email the developer, yeah. but in the meantime, I just went and bought Focus. It's like 20 bucks, so it's a little more expensive, I think, but it works perfectly. It's been blocking stuff all day for me. I'm good to go. And then, uh, again, BrainFM really helped for writing those scripts. Yeah. I think I did like four hours of BrainFM over the past day or so. <laughs> I do like me some BrainFM. But the scripts are done. I feel such a weight off my chest. I'm going to delete them. Don't delete them. <laughs> I I actually made backups. I'm going to delete Because I was backups. afraid like somehow they'd get deleted. I'm going to delete every backup you ever yep. had. You know those ones you buried out in the backyard? I already found those Ooh, ones. That would be a good place to put your backups. Yeah. Well, you know they say offsite backup, so I figure I get them out of my room, I bury them in a, you know, like a bucket yeah. in the backyard. Yeah. That's safe enough, right? I have never once considered that. You dig up the USB drives every few weeks, you blow the dirt out of them, put them back in the computer, back up again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's not even a big backup that you, you just you keep pulling it back out. It's a little incremental backup that yeah. you keep burying. I used to do that. Well, that seems obnoxious. I didn't, I didn't do the backyard burying dirt oh, thing. Okay, but uh, the way I remember when I was a kid, like or maybe a teenager, I did think of backing up. But my method of backing up was just like backing the folder up to a backup folder on the same drive. So like, 
that that I does have that's a more copy like a, of the file. That's like a version control method. Yes. Rather, I mean, it's a bad version control method still, but it's like yeah. that's not backing up really. Though I didn't really know what computers did back then. Well, that's fair. Like, I was more afraid of my brother that's, accidentally deleting my stuff or something like yeah, that. that. That's fair. But yeah, I do remember. I remember no computers. I, I got to college. I started working for the IT department, and they were like. Yeah, you should probably back up to something that isn't on your computer, or at least a different drive. So then I went and got external drives and everything. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. We are talking about what is absolutely, without a doubt, the biggest issue I get emailed about, tweeted about, comments about, everything, which is procrastination. And it's another book episode. Except for, I don't know, is this a book analysis episode? It is, because you read it. You I read mean, this book. I'm going to say things about the book. It's true. Um, I guess but it, it but kind it's of also about the concepts that. behind the book, but the book is entirely yeah. about the concept. So what's the difference? Yeah, it's another book. It will go in our book analysis playlist, I think. It, yeah, it, it mostly kind of <laughs> is. So um, I think I talked about this concept in my book, 10 Steps to Earning Awesome Grades, a while ago. But there is a book called The Procrastination Equation, which might stand up on our little table here. It does. And... This book is the product of research that was done by a Canadian procrastination researcher named Pierce Steele, I believe. Um, and he, he basically took all this research he had done on procrastination and created like this equation that you can use to figure out why you're procrastinating on a specific task or assignment or project that you're doing. And I haven't read this book um, but I've read about it in many different places. And then like I was like, Martin, prep yourself on these articles so you know what I'm talking about. And, of course, you just went and read the whole book. Well, naturally. You darn overachiever. I had a couple days. You just had to go and show me up. Well, duh. But I really like this equation. Now, I want to say this up front. I don't think that human behavior can be like boiled down into an equation. Not until not we yet. can soul-crushingly define exactly what life is. That's and- true. But I don't want to do that. So, like, here's the paper that explains consciousness. Yeah, it's, I, I, I don't want like a formula that says, "Here's what you're gonna do in five minutes," and we've taken into account that you just read this. So, oh, no. I don't, I don't want that formula. <laughs> I nope. don't want that either. Please don't discover it. Free will. I need to feel like I have it. You know, there's no such thing as free will. Shh, shh, shh. But yes, humans. Probabilistic. Humans are complicated. And basically, like every productivity bit of advice, it's more of a framework or kind of a metaphor, a way yeah. to view an abstract thing, your your own decisions and a bunch of complicated parts of productivity as a concrete thing you can sort of solve yeah. to, yeah, it's just easier. It's like a mental model, basically. Yeah. So this equation is a useful mental model for figuring out or at least getting closer to figuring out why you're procrastinating. Yeah. So let's just put it out there. And I realize like talking through math equations isn't exactly the easiest thing, but hey, this is a podcast. So what can you do? (laughs) Uh, But the equation goes your motivation or the, um, I guess the likelihood to procrastinate on a task could also be the thing you're solving for, but it's motivation equals expectancy times value all over impulsiveness times delay. So your expectancy is basically like your degree of belief that you can do the thing, right? Yeah, it's whether you think you're successful. I might procrastinate learning how to jump off a cliff and fly because I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. So my expectancy is very low. Or like to make a more realistic assumption, like 
if you if for some reason I was like, hey, I'm gonna go rebuild the website. Yeah. Like I would procrastinate on that because I have a small degree of expectancy that I could learn what I need to know, but it's pretty low these days because I know like the things you coded into to CIG a few years ago are far beyond what I stopped learning when I stopped yeah. web And I programmed a bunch of traps in there, so if you ever try to mess with it, it, it'll get you. Damn it. Like, what kind of traps? Yeah, I don't know. It's the home alone of programs. Is it like those... Watch out. <laughs> like, spikes are going to come out of the walls or something? Yeah. Ooh, this is some gruesome traps. And likewise, if you were to try to make a video or something, like, you could probably do it, oh, but... but I would put it off for quite a while, exactly. thinking, yeah, I could accomplish the things I want to do right now, but I'm going to push that off because... I don't know that I'll feel good afterward at having accomplished it. Yeah. I, it may just end in failure. So I will push it off until I'm more sure of it. Yep. Or yeah. until I'm forced to do it. And the, the ironic thing about expectancy is, like, if you don't do it, then you will fail. But for yeah. whatever reason, our brains are like, if I don't think I can do this, even if I logically know I could go learn the things required, I'm still going to procrastinate on it. Yeah. Well, there's and, a lot of failure-based self-fulfilling prophecies out there. Yeah. And I think... a big related concept to expectancy is perfectionism and it's like it's the thing I deal with the most because like take these crash course scripts I've been working on for the past months I know I can write a script I know I can write 2,000 words about all the topics that we're going to cover in the series but what I didn't know for sure is like can I make these as perfect as I feel they need to be for Mm how cool I think this series is or how excited I am you've got so much pressure because you're not quite sure if you can do it all the way as I good as you up. want. Exactly. So I guess that moves us into value. And value is essentially just like the value you get from the task. And that could be the reward that you get, but also like the pleasantness of yeah. doing is it, it as well, right? Is it fun? Is it not boring? Yeah. Is it a good use of your skills or mm-hmm. your time? Do you think it's a, like your calling, so to speak? Or do you think that task is worth doing at all? Because sometimes you're just like, nothing yeah. in the world will be better if I do this. Yep. So I really don't feel like doing it. Uh, yeah. uh, I know I felt that way about a fair few number of homework assignments. <laughs> it's like, this doesn't teach me anything, and it's not worth enough points. Like most of them. So why would I – it's not even going to affect my <laughs> – I don't care anymore. So yeah, I got your, that your way personal like importance on, on mm-hmm. what it is you're trying to do. Yeah, but also um, – I don't know if this is like a but also, but I feel like there's like two types of rewards for a task. There's like the main one that is inherent in the task, but there's also ones you can create well, as yeah. kind of like additional well, That's things. a way to deal with the fact yeah. when you have low value on a task is to create external rewards. Mm-hmm. Like uh, if a boss hires you to do something, they probably didn't want to or didn't have the time to do it themselves, and maybe it's not a fun task, and maybe they know you don't like that task, which is why you're not doing it already for free, Yeah. so they pay you to motivate you to do it. Yeah. So that's like an external value to replace your lack of internal. And maybe they do something like having, I don't know, like free beer on Friday or something. Yeah. It's like, oh, guys, I know this was like an especially crappy week. We had a lot of stuff that wasn't fun to yeah. do. So, they, so they try Friday, to, we're all going out. You got to have a little reward that says it was worth doing, wasn't mm-hmm. it? And nice. didn't your company do those kind of things sometimes? Yes. Yeah. It was nice. And it, I mean, like, when you think about it, it's not worth a lot of money no, to do it was, that. It was fun. It but was you like, appreciate it built it more. like the team rapport, yeah. so to speak. It's a nice social reward, a nice relaxation. Mm-hmm. It's a so good then setup. we have um, impulsiveness. So I guess if you were to view the equation in your head, you have like the parentheses around 
the expectancy and the value. That's like the top part of the equation. And then on the bottom, you've got impulsiveness times delay. So impulsiveness is just how likely are you to get distracted and go do something else? Yeah. And the more impulsive you are, the more susceptible you are to delay messing yeah. with you because delay is like how long until this thing needs to be done or it has effects. So if the mm -hmm. test is four weeks from now, the delay is high. And if you're very impulsive, it's going to be very easy for you to, to not care because yeah. the short term that you're viewing now is more important than that weird abstract future. And this is me to a T. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know it. That's funny because there are uh, personas in the book. Wait, really? Where like there was low expectancy Eddie, uh, something value related Valerie, but then it was Tom. time sensitive Tom <laughs> for impulsive. So uh, that's actually pretty funny <laughs> that they do use your name. I think that this was a prescient book. At the risk of the people at, at Crash Course <laughs> watching this podcast. <laughs> I didn't think about that. I have had months to write these scripts for Crash Course. And I wrote 5,000 words of them last night. Yeah. And like... Time-sensitive Tom it's, over it's here. It's good. It's good writing. Like, I, I, I've been doing writing for seven years professionally. And I look through them and I'm like, this is good stuff. But that is exactly me to a T. I have just massive problems making myself do the work when there isn't like a hard deadline that I'm butting up against. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe since you read the book, you can actually help me with some stuff. Well, there's a lot of... He has a lot of cool actionable tips for each section to mess with each variable okay. of the equation. So it's actually a really cool book. And in the near the beginning, there are two quizzes that are both in the book, one in a shortened form, okay. but they are online. So I can link to them in the show notes. But oh, the, really? The first quiz is basically how much of a procrastinator are you? You can take that if you want, but I feel like you might already know because for most of us, the answer is just yes, <laughs> help lot. me, please. Yeah. And then the second quiz, which I was much more interested in taking myself, was mm -hmm. to kind of diagnose which variables in the equation are yeah. you most susceptible to. So is it that you procrastinate low-value things the most? Are okay. you sensitive to time? You're very impulsive. Or do you have a low expectancy of success? Or conversely, you can also have too high of an expectancy of success, which it doesn't – I guess he defines procrastination as it's an irrational pushing off something, as in you're pushing it off knowing and feeling that that's a bad decision. Whereas when you have too high of an expectancy, you're going to push it off, but it's not really procrastinating in a way because you don't think it's a bad decision. Yeah. Like, um, maybe that's actually one of my biggest problems, I think, is the too high of an expectancy. So I wouldn't study for a test a lot because I'd be like, I could probably pull through in the last few minutes. It's rational because I think it okay. will be fine. So procrastination is when you, you have decided that you need to do the thing. Yeah, you feel, you won't you feel really guilty. Whereas if you have yeah. too high of an expectancy, it can backfire, even if your motivation is high because you're like, I so am motivated. I'm motivated to do well, yeah. but I just think I don't really have to do much for that. It's not procrastination because you decided just not to do it. You're putting it off and you don't think you'll be worse off well, for it. You are you think even it putting it off? If you don't study for a test until like the end or you – Because you're not putting the study off. Hour. You're just deciding I won't study. So instead well, of – I mean of also – deferment like we talked about last week, it's like deletion. It's kind of like that, but sometimes it may be if you were like, I could probably just review this for 20 minutes right before the exam – Oh, still yeah, get an okay. A. That yeah. would be an example, not of his definition of mm -hmm. procrastination, but still clearly behavior that will probably bite you. Yeah. 
So, so what did you end up being then? Because I didn't actually know this test was online, so I didn't take it. Oh yeah, I didn't know. I didn't. Is it on the survey center online. here? Impulsivity survey here. It is. Or something. Uh, I'll just send it to you. Okay. But basically, when I took it, so most of the numbers center on 24s. So okay. expectancy, it's if your number is less than or equal to 24, that affects you to a significant degree. Okay. For value and impulsiveness, if your number is greater than or equal to 24, it means those variables affect you to a significant degree. Oh, so okay. I was very near 24 on impulsiveness. Not quite there, though. I was above so it a little like bit. So you're like tiny I, bit below average? I'm a little impulsive, but it's not like a, the biggest issue. Okay. And for value, I was a little above that. So value is a problem. I procrastinate things that I think are pointless or not a good use of my skills or time. Mm. That's something I do. And I didn't realize this until I was actually writing these notes. But so my expectancy score, it wasn't less than or equal to 24. It was way higher. So I was like, well, yeah, that's not a problem. But then I did the, I did the math. It's eight questions. And... I got a 37 out of 40, which is almost <laughs> entirely confidence. And then when I okay. thought back on his descriptions of the overly confident, it made sense because all throughout my early schooling, I would do stuff like that because it didn't really start to backfire until later for certain topics. I could usually, oh, yeah. usually I would absorb enough in a class just by like listening and thinking about it mm -hmm. that I wouldn't need to do a whole lot of studying for things. So I wouldn't. Yeah. And, and occasionally it did backfire. I did not do very well on a few philosophy exams. Whoops. I mean... But because of that, I, I, like I pushed stuff off. Too. And like I'm very impulsive, but it's often because I feel I have like an internal belief that I will still be able to get the thing done. Yeah, the problem lies mostly in the planning fallacy. You know, however long you think something is going to take, yeah. You're incorrect. It yeah. will take longer than that. So the overly optimistic, their issue is going to be that they say, I could probably study this topic in 20 minutes before the test, or I could probably write the outline for this podcast in like a half hour tomorrow yeah. morning. But then you don't wake up on time. It takes longer than you expect. Or it's a way bigger topic than you thought. For my philosophy exam, it turned out there was an entire extra reading that I didn't read. I thought I was only supposed <laughs> to read these two, and I did. Yeah. And I was like, I'll be fine. I read them. But then there was a third one. So okay. stuff comes up, and the overly optimistic person doesn't prepare for it. Yeah. So that's that's their failure point. But the rest of these are more directly procrastinating, but they feel like it's a bad idea. So it's gotcha. very irrational for them to choose to do something that's hurting them. Okay. So I think I'm definitely more in that impulsiveness thing because I do feel like it's a bad idea, but I still do it anyway. Yeah, see, I, and I'll just, I just like, I don't think it's a problem. I will do so mental I gymnastics mess up. of like Olympian quality to convince myself that, oh, it'll be fine if I just say go hiking for eight hours and then do these yeah, big that, writing tasks. See, that, that at seems night. more impulsive because <laughs> you're trying to rationalize it without yep. just blindly saying, what negative consequences? Yeah, yeah, I understand gonna, they're it'll there. It'll be fine. And Where, I, I usually like rationalize, yeah. okay, they won't be that bad, or I'll probably be able to get it done, or I'll tell myself, like, this thing is really important too, so. Yeah. And I don't think I'm a value-based procrastinator because I find it very easy to do low-value tasks. Oh, yeah? Like, doing the accounting or sending invoices or whatever, like, it's not that high value. I don't get a whole lot of fulfillment out of it. I mean, I guess the value is the IRS won't audit me, hopefully, 
or yeah, if but they that's do, an abstract like, future that's, value. Yeah, that's pretty abstract, fear-based that probably won't happen value. So it's not really value. I think for me, it's just like if I perceive a task to be really difficult and challenging, I'm highly prone to impulsiveness. Yeah, so we got time-sensitive Tom over here. The book was talking use my about name? because that's hilarious. He probably knows who I am. He's probably like, yep, this is actually Thomas Frank right here. Yeah. Putting him in the book. <laughs> it's beautiful. Okay, so we have this quiz, and maybe you don't even have to do the quiz to know what kind you are. Yeah, Because I you didn't may take know. it, and I know. Yeah. Because, I mean, I installed Focus, like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, and... I wrote those scripts. And then you do much better. So that's that's a decent sign yep. that Im- impulsive behavior. Yep. Is, and you know what the hardest thing up. is? Like, I can see the icon up in the top of my MacBook right now. Um, when I'm working, the hardest thing is convincing myself to actually push it and activate it. Yeah, like, that's, that's the some, excuses will immediately. That's some come impulsiveness up. right there. Time sensitive time. Yep. I might be like, but wait, what if I need to research something that's on YouTube? Or. What if there's a comment in the subreddit? Please don't take it away. Please don't take it away. <laughs> don't take it away. I need, I, I'm fine with it. I can regulate. I need my yeah, internet. That is me to a T, which I guess is why it's time sensitive, Tom. Yes. So if you know what you are or you've taken the quiz, what can you do to start to improve your standing in each of these four categories? Because basically it's increase expectancy, increase value, or decrease impulsiveness. Yeah. And then I guess like delays kind of hard to you you can manipulate. There's like right? one tip in there in the impulsiveness section that messes with delay a little bit by um, making shorter term goals with shorter term deadlines. So like milestones. Yeah. As like so setting setting milestones. Project. So so I have a, I have a question for you when it comes to milestones because I will do this like I will we use Asana for our business and like I'll break projects down into small chunks and give them due dates, but. I find it difficult. Like my brain knows those milestones are just arbitrarily set up by me. Yeah. So, and I mean, like, I guess I could just like use Beeminder to bet money that I would get the milestone done or something. But like, did the book talk about how to make yourself take milestones seriously at all? Well, a lot of it is stuff you can take in tandem to help you. So like milestones will be helpful, but you're right. If it's your milestone, you need to have something that commits you to it. Yeah. Some sort of... Like, they actually use the example of using something like, they don't mention Beeminder, but Beeminder or a monetary bet with a friend or something, mm-hmm. some sort of disincentive. But if you can find a way to perfectly commit yourself to it in a way that you can't avoid using other people, if we're doing group work and we have milestones, I think that we'll hit milestones more frequently mm. if we're all working on a milestone and somebody's going to get screwed over. If someone progresses, okay, yeah. So when you're doing this kind of work, like completely by yourself, like you're in charge. Nobody's really holding you accountable, and yep. that's that's a very unique problem because students have to answer to their teacher. So they I mean, at that's least true, but the teacher is usually not creating the milestones for them. Like no, it's one but they big know, due date. They know that the milestones are going to allow them to hit the bigger due date, whereas you might still push it off, thinking that you can change the bigger due date if you really need to. True, and I do tend to be better about videos that are sponsored because there's like because a signed contract saying it must go live this day. Because somebody else is saying here is the <laughs> final deadline. So even if yeah. you set shorter deadlines, you might take them more seriously, knowing they add up to something that you do have to do. Okay. Whereas, I mean, if you wanted, you could push off almost any project you wanted. Yeah. If you accidentally 
delayed the short-term goals. That's true. And I have found that like when somebody else has an investment in the milestone, I do take it more seriously. Yeah. Like I'm going to get the video filmed because it needs to go to the editors and I've told them you'll have it by this time. Whereas if it was like me editing the video and it was just me doing actions up until the full due date, I would probably be prone to, again, procrastinate on it because it's just me. Yeah. Like I'm always a dick to my future self. Yeah. Well, that's actually (laughs) something he talks about in the book because the reason this is such a problem is because humans in general, we're pretty bad at this. We view the future very abstractly. So future Martin is a vague concept. He's not real. Yeah. I don't feel his pain. And so if I do something unhealthy or irresponsible and I say, well, future Martin's probably going to be fine. I mean, I'm fine when I do it, right? So that means future Martin must be fine. Yeah. And we view the present very concretely. So concrete fun now is better than like abstract pain later. Yeah. And... We do pay for it eventually, okay. but that's the problem: is we have we have trouble visualizing that that future is even like a real thing. Yeah. So milestones, and so, yeah. some sort so, of like accountability on the milestones, or some sort of I don't know, binding yourself to them. Yeah. Whether it's B-minder or so let's telling just, your friend to cut your shoe in half or something. Let's just go over the the whole impulsiveness thing because okay. I've got a few listed. But we don't need to do them in order of the equation. Yeah. So. For impulsiveness, he has this story about this Ulysses guy who has to come back from the Trojan horse thing, and it's a big story. But so he's labeling these under the things bondage, satiation, and poison related to that story. Okay. And I believe the bondage one is because they were talking about sirens, so the solution was to literally tie himself to the mast yeah. so that no matter how tempted he was, he couldn't leave. That Didn't is he like put wax in his men's yeah, ears so too, they can't so they can't, so hear, they the can't hear it. Why didn't he just do that to himself? I don't know. Maybe he needed to hear so he could be a good commander or oh, something. Oh, okay. I guess it I don't know. Sense. I don't remember the story entirely. But the point is you can put your temptations out of reach or completely prevent yourself. That yeah. focus app you're talking about is that. You're saying, I can't go to the internet now yep. no matter how badly I want it because I know I'll be wrong. And then – or you could at least put it far away and really inconvenience. So like – Using Crackbook or something yeah. with a delay? Yeah, using something like that so that you're more likely to ignore that impulsive mm-hmm. need. But there are also distractions related to if you get hungry or thirsty. So you, should, you shouldn't you should shop hungry most of the time. Yeah. And if you're going to go somewhere and work for several hours on a project, you should probably eat first and maybe bring some water. Or you're going to be like, I'm thirsty. I think I'm going to go... I'm going to walk. I'm going to go walk to the cafe and get myself a drink. And then you're not working anymore. You've completely broken that. And and I find that that is – that's like an insidious thing because you convince yourself, I need lunch. Well, yeah, you do need to eat. That's true. You've broken up like what could have been a three-hour work session into an hour and then now you walk to go get lunch and And maybe an hour afterwards. Yeah, Longer periods of focus are are going to be better. Yeah, I sat there Um, for three hours last night. Yeah, hardcore. You had the Brain FM hat. You had the focus thing on, I assume. Mm-hmm. But there's also yes, uh, you also need to satisfy your need for leisure. So okay. he talks about this idea in unschedule, where you specifically schedule fun things instead of tasks. So like maybe you're like, okay, Saturday, and in fact, I've done this. I suppose Saturdays for me are I will do something cool with Ashley yeah. almost always. That's what is supposed to happen that day. Mm-hmm. Or you could be like. You know what? Between 8 and 9, I play video games or I read books or I do this fun thing because if you don't satisfy that need and you're just pushing yourself all the time, guiltily trying to work, 
you're not going to be able to function at your highest yeah. level. You're stressed out. You like hate everything, and you're going to work better happy. So, Plus, you've like removed a huge part of the reward of doing work, which is giving yourself time yeah. to do things yeah. you care about. And I mean, we talk about this in terms of like the low density fun versus high density fun, where students are always like, I can't let myself play video games or I can't let myself go out with friends because I've got all this work to do. But then they're on Facebook yeah. when they're working. Stop, and it's like, stop is, the Facebook. Is that actually fun for you? Like, no, it's not. And actually there's studies to show that Facebook makes you less happy. So yeah. that's another thing to keep in mind. But if you block that and set that specific, I'm going to have fun yeah, at this like, time. I've, I've got a party to go to mm-hmm. Friday night. And especially because you've got this scheduled out, right? So you don't have to think, I need to have fun today. I'm really stressed. You know it's coming. Yeah. You, you know it's coming. And if you don't work now, you are jeopardizing that awesome fun you just planned. Yep. You may not get to go to the party if you mess it up. Or you're mm-hmm. going to feel really guilty the whole time you're there. And that's it's not going to be as good. Were, were you and I talking about how, like, I think it was you and me. We were talking about how if you commit to something early on, the anticipation that it builds makes it more enjoyable. Maybe I was, was I talking about that with you or maybe it could so committing have been with to Andrew. something fun? I don't remember. It oh, you know been. what? It was actually with Andrew on List of Money Matters. That would yeah. explain it. I'm not usually Andrew. Okay. So you're not usually Andrew. So you usually wake up and you're just like, wow. Yeah, I'm Andrew. I'm Andrew. Yep. But not today. Not today. Now, I don't remember the episode we were doing, but um, we talked about how like if you say you want to go to Disney World, you buy your ticket two months ahead of time or you buy the ticket like the day of you just go there the people who bought it two months ahead of time are actually happier because they've spent two months anticipating oh, they got and hyped. realizing like i'm hyped up this is a reward that's coming up and they use it as motivation to keep working hard or whatever whereas the people who buy it the day of they're still going to have a good time but they weren't anticipating it for those two months yeah and a lot of the en- the enjoyment's mental so i guess yeah. even building up the imagining of it is still going to be really valuable yeah which tells me I should probably go buy my skis soon, even though it's not oh, winter, yeah. so then because then I'll be anticipating using them. Then for you'll, like you'll six be walking months. around the house with skis on, just like, look how fun <laughs> this is getting me. Remember when I used to walk around the house with the uh, new skates on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I had to do that. But yeah, so that so, that basically yeah. creates that anticipation and makes that reward time count for more when you're yeah. not. Yeah, because his example was actually like a married couple with a kid, they're always busy. You need to schedule some you time mm-hmm. or you're just gonna like hate everything for the next 20 years. Yeah. And that's that's important. So scheduling fun, making sure that you don't deny yourself that because you won't work as well. And then there's adding disincentives like the B-minder and the monetary things. So is this still all under impulsiveness? Yeah, there's a lot so of actions was for all of them. Bondage, satiation, and... And poison, poison. Is which poison is the like disincentives, the... making it worse. So it's not like completely blocking access like focus it would be more of like if i went to reddit something would come out of my computer and punch me in the face yes okay and i guarantee you if you could invent that somebody would buy it that, somebody would, would, buy that it. would probably be popular <laughs> i want you to slap me every time i get on reddit done i do remember one invention. time I, I photoshopped something where it's like every computer it, has a boxing glove above it and if you like send a spam email or something it punches you yeah now i think people would buy more of those to punch spammers than they buy to punch themselves. <laughs> yeah. But we'd still, so we could set up a company and sell both of them. Yeah. The self puncher and the spammer puncher. Yeah, we claim these. Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is, this is intellectual property right here on this podcast. T-M. <laughs> Capitals. Uh, so yeah. Anyways, the next, 
the next thing is um, you can envision the worst case scenario to kind of realize the abstract future worst. So let's say you're addicted to soda. You're distracting yourself with cakes and candies, for an example, because it's easy to picture. Yeah. You need to picture your teeth being the most disgusting, ruined teeth. And think about how horrible all that dental surgery is going to be. Yeah. You need to think what is, like, the worst case scenario that comes as a result of this. So if you're procrastinating on your homework all the time or something, then you need to think how how horrible is it going to be if I, like, have to go home because I got kicked out of school? Man, I need to... I yep. need to make sure that doesn't happen. You need to picture the bad things to remind you what you're avoiding. Picture your mom being like, take out the trash and also your disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she actually writes a disappointment on the trash on bag the trash just bag. so you see it every time. <laughs> <laughs> and and a lot of the, the rest of it is about habits. So getting rid of cues that distract you. Um, you maybe want to – you don't want to have your work and play in the same place. And we had the yeah. video about my old room setup. Because yeah, compartmentalization. Yeah, because you just sit down and then your brain says, that's what this area is for. So mm-hmm. I've been reading on the porch. And now when I go on the porch, I just want to read. I don't have to force myself. I don't need a reading goal. Yeah. I'm just like, you know, it sounds really good reading on the porch. I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to do that. My brain wants it now. That makes sense. It's a compartmentalized kind of thing. And if you've got like your PS4 right there next to your notebook, one of them is more encouraging than the yeah. other. That's and why I work out yeah wherever not here yeah and up until the deadline that ps4 is still going to sound awesome but at the deadline you're going to be like oh god what have i done and then you'll be motivated to study you might do your work then but i mean you're robbing yourself of a better product you will Mm -hmm. not do better than you could have done with more time okay so basically for impulsiveness eliminate access to the distractions or at least make it much more difficult uh, and be in an environment that doesn't have them and create satiation through, you said, like, creating rewards later on. But that seems to be a value thing, right? So well, how does, how does like, more he about, in the book separate that from what he talks about in the value section? Well, the satiation is more about just making sure that you're not too low on those things. Oh, okay. Because if you're too low on those things, neglecting to do them to work, then the work doesn't become – you're not going to do well at it. Gotcha. Is the problem. And you're going to get distracted and you're going to think, I deserve a day off. Yeah. I think I'm going to procrastinate today. Whereas mm. if you already had your day off scheduled, you won't do that. Oh, that makes sense. Because if you're just yeah. like, well, I've that's working, already coming I've been up. working real hard today. Yeah. I deserve a treat. And treat if you've yourself. got it scheduled, then like the fear of it not being able to happen because you procrastinate is like the loss aversion. Yeah. And that's a pretty motivating thing for people. Yeah. So, okay. And I suppose you could also do, you could do time boxing, like we talked about when we talked about deep work. Yeah. You could schedule out the small parts of your day. So, actually, you could break that milestone into just little tiny milestones for your day. Mm-hmm. Like at 10 a.m., I will have responded to these three emails. At 10.30 a.m., I will have come up with a title for my next article. Yeah. That way, it's little milestones, but they're timed. So, you don't have to say, I, I guess I don't know which milestone to do first. And yeah, that's, that's going to waste your time forever. Yep. Though I found the one thing that really demotivates me with time boxing is if I don't hit the goals. So I have to make sure if I don't, yeah. if I overshoot one, I have to like rewrite it. Yeah. Otherwise, it'll just be like, well, failed that. There's <laughs> yeah. no way I'm yeah. going to catch yeah, up. <laughs> it feels real bad. So when I wake up, I actually write the time box after I woke up, taking into account how long it's going to take me to get yeah. ready. So. Because otherwise, if I started at like 6 and I want to wake up at 6, if I mess up and I wake up late, I felt like 
well, I've already ruined the whole day. Yeah. So I don't even box it out until I'm up and ready. Okay. So that way it's realistic. That makes sense. So why don't we do value now? Yeah. So for value, and I'll just kind of like give some of my thoughts on this at first. There is the reward of the task. And I suppose when you're already in class, like the tasks are set out for you. So there's not a whole lot you can do about the reward that is inherent in completing the task. Yeah. Other than making sure that you're you trying to move towards work that is more fulfilling to you by making good decisions throughout life. But like, I think most people who are struggling with procrastination, they're not going to be like, well, I'd realize I could have just gone back and did a different major or something like that's yeah. not very helpful at the time. Yeah. And value is probably a big problem in school, especially because you're just, uh, yeah. I mean, that was a really fulfilling homework assignment. I just loved it, and I couldn't stop doing it. (laughs) I think I'm going to do it again. It's not going to happen. So for me, I guess I've always thought of, like, one of the things you can do for value is to create consequences for not doing the work. And maybe he says in the book that this is part of impulsiveness. For but for me, it's like well, part of the value would be not yeah, having. I to suppose pay money not having negative value or, is also a value. Yeah, not having to do my friend's laundry for a month because I bet him that I would finish this paper by tonight or something. Yeah. Um, but also, I found that if I set like mini rewards, like I've done a few things where I'm like, all right, I'm gonna answer 20 emails, and once I do that, I can play one game of Overwatch or oh, yeah. I can go for a walk or something. Yeah. Like just a break that requires me to do a certain thing rather than coming at a certain time. Yeah. Or you can even use times. Like, I'm going to do a Pomodoro session and then I'm going to go do this thing I want to do. Yeah, I'm going to do two Pomodoro sessions to work and then I'm going to do a Pomodoro session of Cave Story Plus. Yeah, there you go. Done. I should get that game, actually. That's yeah. out now? Yeah, yeah, it's on It's on the Switch. I have not been I've enjoyed paying attention it. to nice. Switch releases. Is Splatoon out yet? 7.20. Oh, comes out July soon. 20th? Comes okay. out soon. It is soon, but it's not yet. Actually, I think I'm going to be done with being in Montana when that comes Ooh, out. Ooh, nice. Ooh, that'll be a nice reward for going to Montana and finishing nice, that project. It will be a project. nice reward. Yes. You just got that You got that release date unscheduled I'm right so now. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for that. Um, but the other thing with value is if you can make the task more pleasant to do, just like just doing it. Yeah. Then you won't procrastinate. So for me, that's like having a good study playlist, which is why I put so much effort into my study playlist on YouTube or use Brain FM. Um, having like a good drink just there, like some tea or yeah. something, that makes it more fun. Going to a place I like to be at, like a coffee shop, instead of doing it here or in the closet or something. Like if I can tailor my environment to something I like, but that isn't distracting, then it's just more pleasant to do the task. Yeah, and that isn't distracting. That's that's a really important point because say yeah. if you're folding laundry, right, you procrastinate that, you could probably put on a movie or Netflix or YouTube videos and you could still fold the laundry probably. Oh, but don't do this point. when you're trying to write an essay oh, because, yeah, yeah. Okay. because that's, that's an example of the reward gone wrong. You have, yes. you have now made the reward more important than the work itself. Yeah. And it, it will mess you up. So don't you can't just universally apply rewards to all kinds of work. I thought you were gonna say don't watch TV while you fold your laundry, but I always no you could you could do TV. it while folding your laundry. But if you think oh well that's a nice thing I like to do I'm gonna do that while I that's write true. this essay. Yeah, it doesn't work. There is a good chance that will mess you up. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe maybe you're okay with that. I don't know. But I'm gonna well, imagine for most like people no zero effort mentally task. Yeah. So if you're watching a movie while doing it, I don't know. Like it never slows me down. I fold my laundry so fast because I hate doing it, and yeah, I know I fold it like, so fast to just kind of just kind of roll it up and throw it in the dresser. Yeah, done. 
Laundry has kind of like a built-in consequence that keeps me from procrastinating on it. Because I know if I leave it in the dryer and it cools off, like some of it's gonna be wrinkled and stuff. Yeah. So I always fold it like immediately when it's done. But it's kind of hard to find reasons to use like the same logic on other tasks. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Laundry hacks. Yeah, laundry <laughs> hacks. So, yeah, other things you can do to work with value are if you want to make it more fun, you can make it a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. You could have a time limit. You could be competitive with somebody. Yeah. That's a good way to make a boring task better. Like, say you're working on an assembly line and the guy across from you is doing the same thing and you're like, I'm going to make you look stupid with how many things I get done in the next <laughs> hour. Now it's kind of amusing. Or maybe like, uh, five bucks, whoever can do the most widgets or whatever you're making. Mm-hmm. And that adds some sort of incentive to care. And that's a lot better. Well, I'll tell you, I don't know if this is like always the best motivation strategy, but when I go to conferences like VidCon or I went to one called ClamorCon a few weeks ago yeah, and I meet other YouTubers who are just like crushing it, I come home and I'm like, I want to do better. Yeah, you've added my more business. value now. Not because I want to beat them, but it's like, they're doing really great stuff, so I want to do really great stuff too. Yeah, it seems I, more I important. see myself as like one of their peers. I should be doing that. Like they, they make me feel like I want to be better, so that helps too. Yeah. So I guess the last one we haven't talked about is expectancy, because again, delays kind of hard to mess with other than milestones. So with expectancy, like how do you make yourself believe that you can actually do the thing? Yes. So. Yeah. So what does he talk about in the book? For somebody with low expectancy, they need to work on their optimism, their confidence. Mm -hmm. Actually, he kind of says that low expectancy is very related to learned helplessness. That's essentially being taught to have a low expectancy. And we talked about this in episode 99. Yep. Because that that book was really interesting. And learned helplessness is fascinating. Um, It involves – they discovered that thing with a test involving dogs, a cool study with dogs that – I will link to, but don't feel like describing right now. But an example of learned helplessness that's more direct to this than dogs doing stuff with electric shocks is a child who say they fail several times in a row early on in mathematics. Yeah. Now they think, I'm just not a math person. There is not yeah. a single thing I could do to teach to teach myself math. They have learned that no matter what effort they put in, it has no correlation mm-hmm. with the outcome which is how they do on math. They just assume it's up to luck. I can't do anything about it. Yeah. And that is learned helplessness, which is basically you got a low expectancy because some stuff went wrong a few times Mm -hmm. and that's no good. And then you're sad. So to work with that, you can do sort of success spirals. If you can find small things that make you feel more confident. Yeah. You take on more responsibility somewhere. Maybe you do a volunteering thing you okay. feel like you have power over something you're so doing just like good. general confidence building. just general confidence because yeah. if you have bad confidence in one thing it's not that unlikely it's leaking over into yeah. many other things i mean anything to make you feel like you have power to change the outcome of something right is going to be important so he talks about the success spirals doing small things doing small chunks of something that you didn't think you could ever do even mm-hmm. if it's just like I've, I've never been able to teach myself anything. I've never been able to get that kickflip done. Maybe doing that kickflip will actually unlock the ability to think you could affect something else. Yeah. Even if it wasn't, you know, just skateboarding related because mm-hmm. that's not related to a lot of things. But your ability to think you can succeed is. So that's something you can do. He talks about vicarious victory, which is just being inspired by something. Mm-hmm. Being really inspired by an autobiography or a documentary or a movie. And 
or a speech. And these kind of things, when coming from or involving somebody similar to you in some way that you can identify with, is going to be way better. Mm. So when I saw Doctor Strange, it spoke to me. And he's kind of like I you. don't know that I will become magical and awesome, but hey, his like nerve damaged so hands, <laughs> it was like, he's doing cool stuff with nerve damaged hands. And it really spoke to me at the time. That mm-hmm. was really motivating to watch. Yeah. So finding something that's kind of like somebody in your situation doing well can help a lot. Or just hanging around people that are a little bit higher than you, like you going to the YouTube thing or yeah. the video VidCon and ClamorCon. I forget yeah. the names. I didn't go to them. <laughs> but being around peers that are slightly better where you're like, I'm inspired to do better because of them. Yep. And this other thing that he mentions for raising your expectancy is a thing he calls wish fulfillment which is a sort of visualization kind of technique. So let's say I want to be really healthy. I can visualize myself getting to 20 pull-ups again. I can visualize oh, it. I yeah. can see that specific part. Pick a specific thing you want to succeed at and mm-hmm. really picture it. How does it feel? Now picture what are you doing right now and emphasize the difference. So if my picture of present mm-hmm. me is, oh, I've, I went straight to playing video games, yeah. but that other one felt so much better – and then you contrast them. You focus really hard on the difference. So you got to gotta say, find like a concrete picture. Otherwise, yeah. it's just like, oh, I could be doing better than what I'm doing yeah, right now. Yeah, because you're I like, what it is. listen, present me. Now it's more concrete because you're viewing the difference between present you very directly with future yeah. you. And you can see it. And you can see that if I keep playing these games and I'm, I don't picture myself working out, that, that awesome image is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it can become a little better. Well, I do remember sometimes, like, when Anna will, like, kind of wonder out loud, like, I really wish I was doing this right now. And then when I point out, I'm just like, you could do that right now, and you're doing this instead. Like, you're playing Horizon, and you really said you wanted to work on this image that you're designing. Yeah. Like, when somebody actually sets those two things in contrast for you... Then you're like, oh. She turns off the game and goes and does it. So, so, so your low expectancy of success may be because you've never really thought about what present you has to do yeah. to make it happen. And once you see that picture, you're like, well, that's what I have to do? I, can, I think I can do that now that yeah. I've actually thought about it. And that's most of what he mentions for raising it, although listening to the Learned Helplessness episode is likely to be helpful because that's mm. more or less this variable as an entire book and episode. Yeah. I do have one little note about Learned Helplessness. So... I think learned helplessness usually manifests itself in the situations where, like, you try and fail again and again, and then you start to believe, like, you can't do it just because of, like, a performance thing. Yeah. But I think another thing people deal with and something I've dealt with is, like, you try something and you can't motivate yourself to stick with it so you convince yourself that Mm. I'm not that kind of a person. Like, maybe with languages. I've tried to do Japanese several times, and I'm just like, you know, I, I fall off of it. Um... And I just tell myself, like, I'm not a language person. Or the big one for me is I know in my head that I love music. Like, I constantly listen to music. I'm constantly, like, tapping out stuff and making up songs in my head. And for a long time, like, I started playing guitar when I was 12. But I always tell myself, like, I'm not cut out to be a musician, not because I can't play guitar, yeah. but because every time I try to, like, learn the hard parts of it, like, modes or keys or how to read music or anything like that, or how to play a song that's, like, already out there I'll get bored and then drop it for a while and enough times like oh I got bored doing that that's not for me you start to have like this learned 
bored helplessness almost. Like, you know you'll give up. So yeah. why bother even getting inspired right now? Exactly. That so it's like there's some a great thing to there's mention. Another expectancy thing there. It's like I know I could do this if I had the discipline to sit there and learn this stuff, but I don't have that discipline. It's yeah. not for me. But really, like if I think about it, it's like, do you want to be a musician? Yes, I do. Actually, I really do. I would love to do that. So okay, you need to figure out a way to target that problem. If you're getting bored, find a way to make it more fun or build some sort of like accountability into it or whatever it is. Yeah. And actually, I'm kind of surprised that I didn't think of that because the whole time I was injured, the ner- like literally not being able to move my fingers, I-, I had a low expectancy problem for quite a while Yeah, because of that, because I literally couldn't affect the outcome of things. Mm-hmm. But after that, when I started trying to be productive again and set up little systems, my expectancy that I would keep with them was bad because I, I would maybe set it up and it'd be a little more than I could actually handle. Yeah. So then I'd have to give up that system because my hands couldn't do it quite yet. So mm. then I'd try to do it again and I'd fail again. And then I, even when I started to get mostly better, I would be like that where like, why am I even setting this up? I'm just going to quit it in like a week. It's not well, going to That does seem a little more last. like the performance type learned help. Well, I'm just going to quit my like system limitation. itself. Okay, yeah. I'm going to quit the system no matter what I put in there because something is going to demotivate me about my injury, and then I won't won't be motivated in the future. Present me is motivated. Future me will not be. Yeah. And I guess one of the things that's helped with that is if you're bad at commitment specifically, commit to something, like, incredibly trivial Mm -hmm. and do it for, like, a month in a row. Just floss your teeth if you don't already because I know a lot of you don't. (laughs) Just... I'm going to floss every night. I'm going to keep on marking on this calendar. I'm not going to make myself take on too many things at once because then you will overwhelm yourself and probably fail. Yeah. But if I can just do this one thing for 30 days and prove that I can make a habit here, then I know I can make a habit somewhere else. Okay. So prove to yourself you can stick with something. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned you know that. You that's can that's a really things. important point. I can't believe that's a sign of how healed I am. I well, didn't even think about that. It's good we have two hosts. So, so that's cool. Yeah. We're bouncing ideas here. Yeah. The other thing I thought of for expectancy was if you can break the task down into many tasks, yes, you can have those like milestone things, but also you have more direction on the mini task. Like, yeah. let's just take these crash course scripts I've been writing. 10 scripts is an impossible sounding task. And I'm just like, that's 20,000 words. That's basically a book that I have to write yeah. in two months. Oh my God. Yeah, just put that on your write 10 scripts today. Check mark. Yeah. Box. And even if it's not like, I know I can't do it in one day, just like that big daunting overarching task seems so hard that I just give up pretty much. Yeah. But broke it down. There's 10 scripts. Okay. So I'm just going to focus on one script today. We're just doing this one script. And then even that felt too impossible. So I would break it down into sections. Intro. And I literally wrote this out in Google Docs. Intro in like brackets. And then like this point about procrastination this point about procrastination and I would grab the point take it to another Google Doc and be like alright so this is like 300 words I have to write that's easy my expectancy is super high because I have super high direction alright I'm going to talk about the procrastination equation I'm going to lay out each four of the equation's attributes that's all I have to do yeah that's, that's a great idea up. because if you're overwhelmed it's likely you have a low expectancy not because you couldn't do any one of these parts but because you see them all at once and yeah. you just i can't handle that how am i going to succeed at 20 things mm-hmm. by succeeding at one thing 20 times that's yeah. that's the <laughs> exactly. only way to do it yep cool so we basically have gone through every aspect of the equation here it looks like yeah. is there anything else in the book that you thought was useful 
Well, I'd say to mention? the maybe another useful point is if you are, like me at times, overly optimistic and bad at planning things, and it's not literally procrastination, but you're still messing yourself up because you think it'll be fine and it won't, Yeah. then he talks about specifically think about what could go wrong, make a list of the ways that you mess up your habits and you push things off and like put that on a sticky note somewhere by where you're working like, don't put this off. You always put this off. So you can see it. It messes everything up. Okay. Don't forget you're dumb. Yeah. And then you will be reminded by yourself because sometimes you'll forget that that's even a problem until it's too late. Yeah. And accepting that you're just really bad at delaying things. Mm-hmm. So once you justify the first delay, once you say, well, I don't need to, it'll be fine. You've justified or you've opened the door to justify every other delay when something yeah. comes up. So you've really kind of opened the floodgates. So if you're the kind of person who pushes things off because you think it'll be fine and then it doesn't end up being fine, mm-hmm. you need to put something somewhere that's like, hey, it's not going to be fine. You need to <laughs> I know you think it is. This is you from the past and also the future at the same time. Maybe record a video for yourself. Yeah. Just have it on your desktop. <laughs> just yeah. If hey, you're watching this, future, you thought it would be fine. It won't be fine. You're dumb. <laughs> you, you're good at this, but you cannot do it in a half hour before it starts. I should make a video for the main channel that's just me staring at the <laughs> yeah. camera just being like, hey, it won't be fine. Yeah, you you think you don't have to study. <laughs> and you don't have to study. To, to get a passing grade, maybe. Yeah. You think that. I know you're good at this. But you can get the A if you just do it a couple days earlier. Yep. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So this isn't part of the Procrastination Equation book, but while I was researching this, I stumbled across it, an article called the 10-Step Anti-Procrastination Checklist on uh, Less Wrong, and I couldn't help just like sharing it here. I'm going to put it in the show notes for – I guess you're going to put it in the show notes because you make the show notes – But I wanted to go through it really quickly because I found this to be useful to just kind of like have this little pre-flight checklist, kind of like we have for this podcast. Yeah, and like we we talked about like an episode or two ago. Yeah, exactly. So the checklist goes, number one, what is the task? So you basically make sure you have to find one specific task, you know what it is, and you're not multitasking. Number two, do you have something to drink? So tea, do you have it in a cool Aperture Science mug? If not, look at your life, look at your choices. Hmm. Moving on. (laughs) You won't succeed. (laughs) So number three, are distractions closed? Like shut the door, it says quick Twitter, close Facebook. And in my case, click that focus button to block them. Because I'm a very impulsive person. Uh, Number four, what music will you listen to to inspire yourself to be productive or get in the flow? So I've got the ultimate study music playlist here on YouTube that you can look at. And we've also got Brain FM. It's one of our favorite resources. I love Brain FM. Um, There's also like... Coffativity, I think it's called, hmm. and a few other ones. Oh, noisy. Oh, wait, wait. Noisy yeah, is the best about. one. It's like ambient noise generator, and you can mix it you however like you combine want. Combine a bunch of different yeah. You can sounds. do like you know rain noises. It's a rainforest in the cafe. Yeah, you. I think you can literally do cafe ambiance and then mix in rain. Yeah. And evening noises and stuff. So whatever works for you could be Beethoven or something. I don't know. Um, number five, why are you doing the task? So that's kind of establishing the value of doing it, your reasons for doing it. Number six, what are the parts of the task? So they're breaking it down, trying to get it down into the most concrete, um, actionable things that you can do, and then define that as your task. Number seven, what are some ways to gamify the task? So maybe you use Bayminder, or you've got like, I can play a game of Overwatch after I do this, something like that. Or maybe you're using Habitica. Yeah. Number eight, what are some rewards you can offer yourself for completing sections of the task? So I think that's kind of 
similar to gamification really. Um, number nine, what is an achievable goal for this sitting? So this is all about like setting a reasonable expectation, not telling yourself I'm gonna write all 10 scripts right now. It's like, no, I'm gonna get 300 words written in the next 20 minutes and if I do, I'm good. And then number 10, how long will you work on the task before giving yourself a break? So it's a good checklist. Pomodoro technique is usually pretty good for this, 25 minutes and then take that five minute break. Of course, I think you should always experiment to see what your intervals are. And for me, it really depends on the task. I can sit there and write for like an hour sometimes. Yeah. And then sometimes it's like, it's a different task or a different topic that's harder and I'll need more breaks. So yeah. It's all about figuring it out for yourself. But I found that um, the checklist to be pretty helpful because it'll remind me, all right, physically go block distractions, go shut the door, make sure I'm in the right place, get a drink. Like, I don't want to have any of these things come up during the task and then have them be an excuse for interrupting it. Like, oops, forgot to make tea 20 minutes in. Yeah. And so, then you're like, well, I guess I might as well just start over because yeah. I was missing something. If I've gone through it, there's no excuses. So, and I think that's the biggest thing is like, give yourself no excuses. Yeah. And, and the, the checklist it. really, it hits on like all the variables. So that's, that's mm -hmm. actually really cool. Yeah, it kind of does actually. So, uh, definitely check that out. And uh, just a reminder, I will be linking to the quiz where you can find out which variable affects you the most if that's you don't right, know. Yeah. So actually, so yeah, we'll have all those in the show notes. So if you're watching this on YouTube, down in the description below, you'll find the link to our show notes document and all the links are like near the bottom of it. So but we'll put the most important ones at the top. Yeah. So they're easy to find. So I think that about does it for this episode of the podcast. Guys, thank you so much for watching. If you want to find our favorite resources for improving your life, if you want to find links to some of those anti-procrastination apps we talked about and other cool stuff, collegeinfogeek.com slash resources is a good place to look. And if you're enjoying this show, one of the best ways to support it, if you're already subscribed on YouTube, uh, is to go over to iTunes and give it a rating and review. That is a great way to show us what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, how we can improve. But every review and rating on iTunes is just another little factor that bumps our show up the rankings and charts and gets it out to more people. So it's a great way to help us grow. And thank you if you do that. Thank you for watching or listening as well. And we will see you in next week's episode. Stay tuned.